This is Eric from Sly Vinyl Records, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. All right, welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. This week we have a very special guest. Uh, interesting, um, excited to have on um, Eric from Sly Vinyl Records. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, I, I've been on a personal journey um, with this show to not just talk to artists, but talk to people that are behind the scenes that make the thing that we love um, come to life in, in physical form with vinyls. And so I've had a lot of record companies um, on and I continue to be really fascinated with, you know, the stories of, you know, why people got into it and the, and just the love that uh, people put into that. And you're no exception. Um, I think, you know, for Synthwave and, the synth community, you're not as well known. I don't think you've got as many releases uh, in th- that field, but I think it's important to know for you to make an introduction because of you have that passion and you have that commitment to releasing quality product. Um, wh- tell me a little bit about that journey and how you ended up here. Sure. So Sly Vinyl Records started actually just as a music blog in 2012. So this year is our 10 year anniversary and we've been around the block for a little while. Um, The label and the blog kind of came about from In Denver, Colorado is a man named Scott Wickberg, and he's actually the original creator and owner of Sly Vinyl Records. Uh, He's a great dude. He really brought together the original team that we had. Um, From the blog point of view, what we were doing was finding labels and artists that were putting out vinyl and sometimes cassette releases. Uh, and what we were attempting to do was bring those limited releases and bring it to the attention of the fans who were going to buy them and, and maybe even hopefully create some new fans. And so we had a team of writers, bloggers from all over the world, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Europe. Um, so we got a lot of different tastes together. Each writer kind of went on, you know, their own, uh, you know, personal tastes that they find themselves listening to. And so we we had a really nice mix of genres. And so the traffic and the audience that we were bringing together was really diverse. Um, So the blog has been in existence for about a decade. We've written close to 7,000 articles um, about all different types of releases over this time. And so we were really making a lot of connections with artists and other labels and kind of just really curating this community. Um, So about a year later, 
what happened was we wanted to kind of stick our toes into the water of actually releasing a vinyl. And the very first thing we put out, uh, which was funded by Scott, was the album Noir by Blue Sky Black Death. And for a brand new label, uh, just trying to get started, this was a huge get. And it was an instant sellout, and it kind of just set the pace for um, being an actual label instead of just a a news blog. Um, So the label existed kind of only putting out maybe a release once or twice a year. Um, It really was kind of just really on the hobby side. Um, We were very selective with the artists that we put out. Um, I think the early artists that we really had were kind of a more diverse than what we have lately. Not to say that we don't have diverse, but I think we've more settled into a little bit of our sound. Um, The the earlier stuff, uh, well, while still really great, we, we still kind of have a mix of like indie rock and there was some garage rock in there, but then you have like trip hop and electronica. And, um, so we, we, we kind of don't have, we're, we're not a synth wave label. We're not a, we're not an electronica label. We're not any particular type of genre. Um, and I think that allows us to, work with you know quite the array of artists but at the same time i think we've ultimately curated a sound that our fans can probably get every single one of our releases and hopefully enjoy them that's really cool i i find that interesting the the blog turned into the label and having that diversity of sound but also what i'm hearing is that it's highly curated um, around the tastes of the people that are in the label. Um, when did it pick up for you? You're releasing one or two things a year. Um, when, when did that shift where it was like, okay, we're going to do like one a quarter, one a month happen? Well, so I actually joined Sly Vinyl in 2014. It had already been around for about two years. I started as a patron a big fan of you know i had all the i had all the releases uh that you know as few as they were um and i personally i always end up finding myself whenever i get involved with something i always end up taking more and more responsibilities on uh so as a blog writer i kind of shifted my focus to getting some interviews with labels and other artists down um, I was kind of bringing some more stuff to, you know, what we could offer as as the blog side. And as I got more and more involved, I realized that I really wanted to help out on the vinyl side. I really wanted to press a record. I really wanted to to just be involved. And I had a couple ideas that I would float by Scott, who was in charge at the time. And, you know, they're investing into a vinyl release, especially when you're only doing one or two a year, you have to be certain that this is the one you're going to do. You're, you're gotta be, uh, like you, you don't want to say, Oh, I'm only picking winners. Cause you never know if something's going to be a winner, but sometimes you have an idea that, okay, this is people, people are going to want this. Um, 
and I have been a big fan of uh, an electronic duo called L1011 for several years. And I had noticed that there was a glaring hole in their vinyl discography. Uh, one of their albums was just never pressed to vinyl. And I just couldn't figure it out and really was like, this might be our chance. I don't see any existing label that's going to be interfering because that's something else you have to figure out. Like, does this album I'm interested in already have uh, a contract or ties or promise made elsewhere? So you, you, you kind of have to just shoot your shot though. And, and, and if someone says no, you got to deal with it. Uh, so what I did was, uh, so I'm based out of Phoenix and I saw L1011 was doing a show in Tucson. So I being a big collector, I'm 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 a big vinyl collector already and just from the get-go and I think a lot of what I do is from the collector's point of view. Um but what I did was I decided last minute okay, I'm going to the show. I put together in a bag all of my entire L1011 collection on vinyl. So I, I already had pretty much everything that was out. And I put it all in my bag and I went down to the show, visited the show, great time. I think it was at Hotel Congress down there. And I waited till after the show and I approached the band and I basically just laid out every single record that they ever put out on the table. And um, I waited till the very, very end of, there was a line of people getting stuff signed and buying stuff. So just to be respectful, I waited till the very end and, and basically due to that, got a, got a moment to sit down with the two guys um, and just chat with them. And I showed them I was a fan. I showed them I was passionate about their music, about their music on vinyl. And I kind of just, you know, decided to shoot my shot and I was, I proposed the idea to them. I said, Hey, we would fund 100% of, you know, the upfront cost. We will put this record out for you. We will distribute it for you. Just, uh, here's my vision for it. And they were right away, right away. They said, let's do it. Um, little did they know I had no permission to do this whatsoever. <laughs> However, I, so, so the band was on board. So now I had to go back to the label and say, Hey, uh, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, let's do this <laughs> a relatively big band. I think, I, I think they're on board. I kind of already promised them that we were going to do it. <laughs> uh, and luckily he said yes. And so in 2015, we put out the first, uh, vinyl release that I had my fingerprints on. And that was in 2015. And from there, I just never let go. I was, I was really wanting to drive forward and help with finding new artists. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of clerical side of getting things done, getting the vinyl order, getting the final audio turned in, the final art turned in, making the proofs, getting the test presses, you know, just everything that leads up to for, um, there was a couple more releases in 2016, uh, that were kind of already in the works, but I would say things to answer your question. Now, ultimately, when did things pick up? I think around 2017, 
uh, I, we, we had about half a dozen releases in one year suddenly. Um, a, as a label, we've always reinvested the profit from every release back into the label to fund the next release. Smart. And I, I call it snowballing. You mm-hmm. just you just keep it going and pretty soon you have the ability to put out two, three at a time, um, you know, per, per year. And now we have built upon what we've done to the point where my goal going forward is at least one vinyl release per month going forward. All right. So uh, approximately 12 a year. Until 12 a year until uh, we go to a, to a month. There you you know, I, I think actually <clears throat> that might be the ultimate goal is get to two a month. And maybe maybe it won't be a vinyl release every month. Maybe maybe it'll be one one vinyl, one cassette. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I want to have that cadence so that there's something always available, something new um, every month. We have just, um, you know, something regular to offer. That is um, that, that's an ambitious and commendable plan. And it, and it sounds like just from the, the story of what you're saying is that you're well on your way to hitting those those benchmarks. And I really appreciate from what I'm hearing from you is that you come at this from a collector's point of view that like, would it be accurate to say that whatever you work on, you were putting into, well, how would I want this to be when I, if I, Uh, this was my a hundred percent. I, I always come at these projects and these projects are very much like, you know, it's a product, but it's also like a piece of art. Um, Agreed. And when you do come at it from a point of view as I'm a collector, uh, I am a collector first and foremost. So I almost can think about what will someone want this product to look like at the end. Um, you know, what would what would be disappointing? What would be the ideal version? And what I really love to do is kind of kind of one of my tricks of the trade for reaching out to new artists is I like to digitally mock up my vision for the release first. And when I reach out to them, I can kind of just slide a photo of what the vinyl could look like. And, you know, maybe it, maybe this isn't exactly what we go with, but I can show them that um, I have a vision where we're not just going to twiddle our thumbs and go, well, what do you want to do? Um, you know, we can because a lot of these artists, too, have never done vinyl before yeah. and they don't really know what all goes into it. Um, and I think I've had some in the past that were maybe at first apprehensive because they just didn't know what their involvement in the process may, may be. Right. And every artist is different. Um, sometimes you get those musicians that are also graphical artists and they have a really comprehensive vision for what that release should look like should feel like should sound like um and those are often great to work with too because you don't have to go well what's the album art going to be uh <laughs> what are we going to put on the labels um and uh it, it's 
not to say that if you don't work with an artist that's also a graphical artist, you know, you can you could manage it. Yeah. But that's the point where you have to come in and kind of steer the ship a little bit. Um, if you guys are having to come up with brand new album art or sometimes I've even worked with artists where they have the collection of songs, but they don't even know what the final track listing is going to be like. Right. Um, so that can also be part of the task too, is figuring out because vinyl is a physical medium. There is a side a and a side B and, and you can only space. fit yeah. so much music per side. And sometimes the album as it is digitally just doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you've got an extra long track or, or you, you just kind of have to make those considerations yeah. and, um, yeah, so it's a collaborative process. You, you always want to be respectful. I always want to be respectful of the artist's original intent. And I just want as a vinyl, uh, label owner to bring what's best for both the artist and the consumer. Yeah. It, you really have to be flexible and adaptable because every situation is different as you're saying. And there's a, a lot of different skill sets or talents that people may or may not have. And it sounds like, you know, you've got to, you either have to be there to help, manage fulfill a vision because you're using your talent and expertise in the actual manufacturing of a product or you're helping and or you're helping someone um create what the whole thing is going to look like from scratch they might not have anything they might not even have an idea what they necessarily want for the artwork and the whole point of vinyl is that you have this big physical object with yeah, at least two sides that you could look at and stare at and interact with. Um, and so those are considerations that um, maybe in this day and age, I, you know, I, I'm curious from your experience from the different genres of music, if that is a consideration that's gone away, is the consideration of the artwork for albums. Certainly in synth music, I think um, it's such a strong graphical illustrative community that artwork is as important to the music as the music is to convey the entire mood. But I'm curious what that would be say in like rock or other forms of music. Sure. I, you know, I think you hit on a good point, especially with like synthwave as a genre, there are certain kind of, there's the aesthetic of the genre that's kind of agreed upon. Um, and, and you will see kind of those, uh, similar looking types of art, right. Uh, throughout the genre. So I, I, a hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, as far as other genres, you definitely see it, um, like, a, you know, adjacent, you have the vaporwave crowd, which is there, there's a lot of similarities with what's uh the aesthetic of the synth wave as well you know yeah. there's distinctness between them but there's uh you know they kind of bump up on each other um but i would say that the artists that i work with they're they're pretty gosh I, I would say that they don't necessarily have a a look that they are 
always striving for. Um, I, I have worked with artists that they change up the, 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 you know, the art work that they're working with every release, like a different artist, a different mm -hmm. graphic artist that they're working with. Um, but I also have some where they go back to the same guy or that, you know, they, they, or they're doing it themselves. Um, so I would say it's a mixed bag, but I am always involved with making sure that it looks good. I would say, though, I've almost never had to tell an artist that I don't like the direction they're going in. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> That'd be awkward. You know, maybe, 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 maybe the conversation is about, well, you know, this isn't gonna, because what, what's important is the final product at the end, right? right? And you want to make sure that you're not misleading someone with going, okay, we can use this. Uh, we, we, we can use this photo you want to use, but it's not high enough res. You know, if when it's when, when it prints out, it's going to look terrible. It's going to be it's going to be all pixelated um, or, you know, just stuff like that. You you kind of just want to make sure that you're, you're not. It's the details. It is the detail. And, and you want to make sure you're, you're keeping them within bounds. So what I'm hearing is that, you know, there is a really deep sense of passion for music and being able to convey that music in the best physical presentation it can be. And all the details, there's so many details that are so easily missed in creating a physical object, especially vinyl, and that you take a special care and that nothing is being missed, that these details um, are always being achieved because, you know, obviously if you do a jacket and the picture is all blown up because the resolution is off, that isn't good for the band or the consumer. So it's an important detail to factor in. Yeah. And you, you, you live and you learn too. Uh, part of what I'm bringing to the table as the label is the experience of putting out, you know, dozens of vinyl at this point where, you you know the traps that are likely to fall <laughs> that you're likely to fall in mm -hmm. uh, even as something as simple as not having the right color mode on the art you turn in yeah right absolutely uh so and sometimes i find myself feeling like maybe a bit of a pest or uh, like a broken record, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> on some of my some of my graphical artists, where I'm like, make sure it's CMYK, right? You got to okay, make sure it's at this DPI. And some of these guys are like, I know, I know, I know, I know. But the one you would rather annoy someone and get it right than assume someone knows this small little detail and well, abs uh, absolutely, you know, having to rework it or hopefully you catch it. It's one of those yeah, things. Absolutely. I think, you know, those are, I find that even experienced people, it's good to have those reminders because when you're designing a, a jacket artwork and you're doing the whole layout of it, there are so many things that have that you have to check off so many details and making sure you have certain, you know, licensing agreements and, and it just the aesthetic of, of formatting is an art form completely within itself on top of artwork 
that um you know it's yeah really just the layout is important i've seen some ugly layouts where you go why is it why is why is the text so huge right um sometimes i've seen people just say well this is how it was on the cd you know and cd layout versus a, a the huge you know 12 inch lp is <laughs> uh entirely different you're, you're gonna need to rework that and i've i've, I've had to do that a couple times too <laughs> So it's like just picture your your because you got to say like just picture it picture how huge it's gonna look it's gonna look uh, weird. Blow this up, and it, yeah, if it's all just the band's logo and it's taking up half of the front of the jacket, probably not a good look. <laughs> uh, so what then for you is important for the vinyl release? What makes it different for you? What is the maybe the the passion versus other kinds of releases, cassettes, CDs, you know, those are other things, but you know, what are you passionate about with vinyl? You know, I think it's part of just the, how involved you have to be to get the release just right. Uh, you know, with a cassette release or even simpler, a CD, you kind of just, you know, they're the turnaround time is, significantly less the investment is significantly less um with a vinyl release you are kind of assuming a risk for each release you do because you're hoping that it's something that isn't just going to sit on your shelf um so not to say that the risk is what attracts me to it but uh i i think vinyl as a medium has become more appealing in the last decade you know obviously we almost saw vinyl go extinct yeah um you know at the in the 90s and the early aughts um you know there were almost no records being put out you know there, there's some of the more valuable hard to find ones are releases from that eric just because so few were Maybe, few were yeah. done people were buying cd people had moved on to cds and then digital and then i think we're just kind of rounding back because i think folks don't feel like when you're buying just a digital release that you really own what you what you bought um so vinyl i think became appealing because like you said it's got the big artwork it's something something big that you can hold in your hand um it has resale value like you can't resell um you know a digital download if, no. if you buy an album and you're just like you know i'm just not into it uh <laughs> you, you know take it to the record store and there's there's more there's more to be had um i used to be i i really love going to live shows and I, it used to just be a goal of mine to go to as many live shows as possible um and that was a great opportunity for networking as well and and you know kind of just speaking to the band directly bands that you love um if you're lucky enough to get a, get close to them some of these larger larger venues are like you know how are you gonna go and yeah get a hold of radiohead after a show right <laughs> but some of these other art some of these other artists where you just make your way down to the merch the merch booth and that's where you can kind of interact with them um and i think that's part of maybe what draw, drew me as well like at the merch booth that's where that's where you can actually connect with the artist a lot of time um and i used to be a big you know tour t-shirt and uh you know screen print poster kind of a guy 
Um, but then around 2011-ish, 2012, um, I started picking up LPs at shows just because, um, you know, they're limited or tour exclusive releases and stuff like that. I, I like I think just that kind of started catching my attention. Um, like so I was grabbing records before I even had a record player uh, in yeah, the early too. days there. Um because you, you go, OK, I know I'm going to want one. So let's and it's not going to it's not going to be, you know, carpe diem. Grab grab the record while you can. Yeah. Um, so and from there, I just kind of really took off. So per, so what I'm getting at is just personally, I my taste for how I consume music really turned to vinyl um, and not long after that is when I got involved with the Sly Vinyl as a blog writer. Um, and I got involved there because I was submitting tips uh, to the writers saying, oh, hey, here's a release coming out. You guys should write up. Oh, here's another one. And then, uh, you know, I was submitting so frequently that they said, y you know what? How about we just uh, get you on board? And <laughs> why don't you uh, just come we'll and do this work and yourself? <laughs> and so sure enough that that's how i got involved and i worked my way up from uh you know a contributing editor to the director of a and r and production and then uh, a couple years ago i was promoted to ceo because uh the original owner of, of sly vinyl his his own personal business was taking off this was just a this was mostly just a hobby type of a thing. And right. he said to the group of us, uh, guys, I just can't, I can't give the attention that this deserves anymore. So either somebody needs to step up or we're going to be shutting things down. And so I was not going to let that happen. I had too much. I, I had the vision going forward and, and knew where we could take this. So I, I said, nope. Let me do it. Uh, so we kind of shifted all uh, all of the opera. Hey there, TPA listeners, Eric here. Sorry for interrupting, but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion. And we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show. And we are just as surprised as you are for listening. But since you're here, we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, for all things The Paradise Arcade, you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com. Please like, share, and review our episodes. We like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who we should get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. What's up, everybody? We're listening to Paradise Arcade. Operations from Denver to Phoenix at around that time. And so I had been operating as CEO for the last four-ish years. And then just officially this year, I am now officially the owner of sly vinyl records wow congratulations that's a quite the journey so let's talk about then what is your vision for sly vinyl records 
you know, I, I, I work and I work a regular nine to five. This really is the labor of love that you are excited to do, you know, after you, you hang up the, the big boy job for the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I recognize that it has potential to go bigger. That's why I'm really pushing the once a month release cadence and with the ultimate goal of doubling and then tripling from there, you know, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And, um, if this could be my full-time job, I would just, that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, it's clearly not at a point where I can support myself and my family, a health insurance, a mortgage, all that type of stuff. So, um, it needs to be at that stage where I can cut the other ties and, and, you know, go all in on it. Um, so I think the goal right now is to manage it, grow it, but don't let the growth get out of control, yes, but important. keep it going so that it can get to the point where i'm needing it to because if you if you keep it stunted then it's never going to take off are you are you going to continue to be a diverse label um because you know as you say you've sort of settled into a sound does that does that mean genre or does that mean like just personal taste are you looking to break down break into other areas of music? I would say sly vinyl will probably never be a specific genre vinyl. Uh, we just have too many ties already to several different sounds that I would not abandon. Um, it ultimately, you know, as a one person label at this point, it does come down to personal taste. Uh, if you don't believe in a release that you're putting out, then it's almost probably doomed to fail from the, from the get go. Um, there are other areas that I am reaching out to, you know, certain artists in genres that we haven't exactly explored before. Um, and so like we had, like we had spoken before at the top, uh, we, we have Teal on board. Um, we have Demon as a release coming down the pipe. Yeah. Uh, there is a yet to be released yet to be announced release that Sly Vinyl is collaborating with Stratford court on. So we will have more of that chill wave sound also coming to the table. I, I ideally it's one of those things where I want to visit some of these genres, but stay there and yeah. continue to offer, you know, every release might not be a synth wave, a chill wave or whatever. Um, but there's going to be enough throughout the year that fans of those genres will hopefully keep an eye on us, hopefully revisit and come get the variants and, and releases that we're doing. Uh, but hopefully maybe also introduce people to these other sounds. Yeah. And, and diversify a little bit. We, we, we do have fans that, trust the label where I know that they're getting every single thing we put out, no matter what we put out. Mm -hmm. And to those fans, I say, thank you. You guys are the ones who are keeping us alive. Um, uh, 
and as a fan myself, I, if, if I wasn't involved with this label, I would still probably be here uh, buying every, you know, I would, I would have that complete collection of, of all the variants <laughs> still. It, it reminds me a bit of like, um, like ghostly international. They have a fairly diverse um, set of sounds. It's, it's all, you know, it's not necessarily mainline alt pop, but, you know, they've got artists like Com Trues and they've got, you know, other artists on there that are maybe more acoustic or trip. You know, there's there's the diversity of sound, but it's still highly curated to where you could probably feel very comfortable getting all of those releases because it maybe speaks to, you know, a broad range of tastes, that, but still fit within something. And it sounds like you're doing something very similar where it's your personal uh curation uh, it's not tied to one specific genre but if you like this one thing you might like these other things and then you're helping in a way expose people to new music because that's i don't know about you i don't know how old you are um when i was a teenager the internet really wasn't that big of a thing um, not everyone had it not everyone had access to um music instant music that way you had to buy music that was how you got music. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on the radio because that was pop music or you had to listen at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, you yeah. had to trust a labeled. So I pursued a lot of labels because I'm like, okay, I, I like this band and they're releasing other bands that are in similar vein, not exactly the same, but maybe I trust this person or this label who's curating these artists. So I'm going to just buy everything that they do because I'm probably going to be happy about it. And he, in in a way you're you're doing something very similar it's different and i like it as opposed to like a spotify algorithm some people swear by that algorithm that it's amazing yeah i was i was i i was just reflecting the other day about how people are introduced to music really impacts what they're exposed to yeah and a lot of people these days are just basing their tastes and what they're what they're like first time listening to something based on an algorithm. Uh, whereas, you know, I'm I'm 33, so I I kind of into that era where you know pre-internet you had to you had to find stuff elsewhere. Um, you know, it, it might be in a video game that you listen to. Or, or that you played or even just like a commercial that you heard on TV yeah. or like you said on the radio or, or something like that. Um, so, you know, I look back to, you know, uh, the early two thousands on cartoon network was uh, the tsunami block of, of uh, shows. And there was a lot of uh, uh, really cool kind of down tempo instrumental hip hop kind of music that they were putting on the bumpers between between yeah, these shows absolutely uh that really kind of made you go what is this and um you know try to seek it out but it was also before you could do like a uh Shazam. Um, you know the yeah the so how are you gonna how are you gonna really figure that out dude i'm telling there, there's you there's a lot of times <laughs> i held on to a song i held on to a song where i heard just like a few words and i'd only hear it like once every month maybe and i kept trying to build on what it was so i could look it up to try and find out what the song was 
Like, and I held on to it for two years before I figured it out. Um, wow. That's the pain you would go through if you really like music. And it was just like in a store or in the radio and you didn't catch what it was and you, or you, you missed it just a little bit. That was so frustrating because there's no rewind. There's no DVR. Yeah. There's none of this stuff where you can go, oh, hold on a minute or let me Shazam this or you know, any of that stuff. And, you know, that was really the case into the, you know, 2010s. Um, you know, Shazam is, I think, 2012, maybe, or something like that. I forget when that came about. But, um, yeah, it wasn't that long ago where if you heard something you liked and you didn't catch who it was by, it was a very frustrating process. So uh, I like, in a, some way, that we have access to these tools uh, to make life a lot easier. But I'm also extremely skeptical and cynical towards it because um big money's behind it and big money is gonna is gonna have its hands to steer you in directions that it wants you to go to um and so and that's all quantified and you know put through a planner and and it's gonna hit this demographic and it's gonna make this amount of money even if it's fairly obscure um so i'm just a really cynical of that process so again i like something that you do where you go and you find music, you go and you find it and you curate it to your particular tastes, release it, have that faith um, and commitment and passion to say, you know, this thing that might not fit on a, a larger label has a home here because we don't expect it to sell 10,000 vinyl records. Um, sure. Make yeah. our, make our <laughs> money back. Um, do smaller runs, but it gets the love and attention it deserves. And I think um, companies like yourself and other uh, labels, what I love and appreciate about them is that I feel like they put more time and attention into these releases than, say, a Sony or or Warner or whoever it is because uh, those details matter and it's speaking to that crowd that is like, this is what's important, these details, how it looks when you look at it, um, cause you know, most stuff you go buy at target well, to, to that point, yeah. uh, some of these, some of these larger labels, you, who even, you know, I'm, I could go look at it up, but who even is choosing these releases, right? I mean, the, the, the mega labels, of course, uh, you know, artists come to them, yeah. um, and they kind of have the, the infrastructure and the resources to be able to just put out hundreds of and thousands of artists. Um, but I couldn't tell you who runs Sony music. I couldn't tell you who currently is Capitol records and all that type of stuff. Right. But I can, I can tell you, you know, Andrew at Stratford Court, I can tell you, you know, I, there are these smaller, uh, burgeoning labels, not to call them small labels, but you know, when we're in the, yeah. in the same conversation of the Sony's and the Capitals, right. and, uh, uh, the BMG and all that kind of, uh, those mega, mega ones, we, we are, we are small, small fish in this pond. Yeah. Uh, but we are giving the artists, uh, the exposure that they deserve. Um, but it is also kind of, uh people know who we are to an extent and the you know the the way people relate to the people who own the labels is they do trust them at, as a source of uh 
you know, suggestions and discovery. It's a really cool uh, place to be in. And I, you know, as I get older, I, I find those things to be more important as a, as a, as opposed to a faceless algorithm, just shooting stuff my way. Um, where do you, I'm think, sure we've all had ahead. that friend though, who you go, Oh, you know, my buddy, Ed, he's yeah. always listening to something, even if it's not a genre I'm usually interested in or, or, Absolutely. or checking out myself yeah. and, and they, you can kind of find that individual who you trust in their taste. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The pe the curators of cool, so to speak. And I, I, I like that. I've been that at several points in my life and I've relied on other people to, to give me new music. I, I certainly had a slump um, in the mid 2010s um, where I didn't really think music was interesting anymore. I, you know, I had the stuff that I liked as a kid, but I'm like, well, what new music is interesting? I just feel out of sorts. And uh, you know, that's when the retro um, genres really started to take hold and become prominent and, and new and exciting music for me was coming out um, that wasn't like coffee house electronica or, you know, something that was uh, hit everything I wanted it to be. So that mm -hmm. it, it was an interesting well, places like Bandcamp kind oh of God, democratized yeah. the ability of just anyone could whip up a paid audience and put it out there. Absolutely. Um, SoundCloud and all those other ones too. Um, my question for you, your vinyl based vinyl focused record label, what do you think the, the appeal is? Why now in this, the last, I suppose the vinyl boom is the last 10 years, you know, and it's, it, but it hasn't slowed down. I think people have been skeptical that it's, um, going to burn up. But what we've seen is that isn't the case. It's growing year after year, still 10 years on. Why do you think that is? I definitely think there's a couple factors. Uh, one, I think, and I had mentioned it earlier, is that people are sick of paying for a digital download and then not having something physical. Uh, I, I think there's something psychologically where you want to actually get something for your money. And that's not to say that an album offered digitally is not something, but I, I think there's that physical connection that you can make with a record when you hold the big album art in your hands, when you can actually feel, uh, you know, the weight of the disc, um, and, and just everything about that. Um, but why, why vinyl over cassette or CD, um, you know, cassettes have kind of fallen by the wayside. They're, 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 they have their place in certain communities. It's a great, uh, you know, a, a cassette run for a small artist is a very low risk. Yeah. Uh, you, you can, you can put out a physical, you could put out something physical that, you know, an artist can sell and not have to worry about, you not really have to worry about is it, you know, how well is it selling right. versus a vinyl release, uh, you know, that has a lot more invested in it. Um, but I just, I think people love this. They love something physical. They, they love the big artwork. Um, I think there's also a lot of 
interest in some of these entities that are just putting out really crazy color variants, like the actual vinyl disc themselves. Uh, so I'll, you know, I'll shout out Wax Mage Records as absolutely press plant. So Wax Mage is a is a entity within Gotta Groove Records press plant. It's kind of an add-on service that you can add. And if you want deluxe copies for your pressing that you're already doing at Gotta Groove, uh, you can add on uh, up to 25 of these just bonkers, just stuff that you wouldn't even believe that they could do with vinyl uh, discs and records these days, that they're pushing the envelope. And they're, I think, really kind of reinventing um what people think is possible and and the product when you see it and it's done it's just a lot of these truly are breathtaking you don't even listen to the music yet but you're looking at the release you're looking at the product and the product makes you go whoa and it it, it makes you it makes you want it um so Combine that with just being able to, you know, holding something like that in your hands, uh, really, I don't know, it just does something that a CD and a cassette or a digital download can't even begin to offer you. It's become a high art form, um, as opposed to, you know, through the through the eighties, I, you know, wasn't as desirable to have clear or or certain uh, effects, and I think we're in the almost the renaissance high point of of vinyl production because you get to do those really crazy um colors and adding i mean whether it's like a prism effect or putting film into it or whatever it is like the their works of art by themselves and each one is individual right it's it, however it's pressed is how it's pressed that's just is what it is and um that is an incredible thing to another component to hold on to your hands and and you have this collectible this thing uh, in your hand but it's also very practical because like what do you do with like a if you collect statues or action figures or whatever what do you do with that what do you do with the poster besides look at it or you know any of those things this is something that you can yeah. take out you put out it plays music you interact with it as opposed to just sitting in a frame on a wall where you just go well that's cool Although I'm not, and that's not to say people don't frame them as well. I mean, well, they I've do. Seen that many times. Absolutely, um, and not to like downplay graphic art and, and the importance of that. It's just a different. It's a tactile uh, experience as long as well as the visual medium and that you're listening to. It makes it plays music. It's amazing. It's magic. When you have a special release like that in your hands too. I think it's just so clear that it's, it's art on top of art on top of art. You've got the, you've got the music, which is art. You've got the, you've got the actual uh, jacket and label and whatever other inserts and gatefold and, you know, all the art that's presented there. And then on top of that, when you have these just bonkers looking records, it's, it's just, I think you know, you've got something special in your hands. Absolutely. You know, and with that, uh, you get the, I get a sense that you very clearly understand that. And I'm excited to see, you know, what you do in those releases that are coming up that you've mentioned, um, 
beforehand. Um, I think, you know, the, the synth community is going to be happy with, with the work and effort. And I think, you know, synth community really appreciates that, um, attention to detail, that craftsmanship, if you will, into that, those, um, are really important and really keep vinyl, I think in that, in that peak interest of people wanting to to continue to buy it, to continue to collect it because just a black disc with a flat jacket and nothing going on, then it's not as exciting <laughs> unless you're an audiophile. Then I get it. I mean, then there's the audiophile people and they only want black vinyl and they don't care about the artwork. Like that's a whole other, that's another crowd entirely, obviously. But I think most people yeah, aren't audiophiles. And I think like you had, you had keyed in on earlier that, uh, you know, colored records really kind of used to have a bad rap, um, and I th think you could probably, you could probably clearly state that black is still probably from an audiophile point better, uh, sounding ultimately, but from what I understand, they are making advances in the color configurations they're making. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're not going to be super noisy. Um, I think there's always exceptions. I, I, I have yet to be convinced that a glow in the dark record is you not were correct, be super sir. Noisy. They, they are a collector's <laughs> item. They are not a useful way to listen to music. Uh, much like a picture disc. I, I, that's glow in the, I, I could probably say I'll almost never do a glow in the dark release unless it was really something that I, I would have to be convinced that it, it didn't sound like garbage <laughs> and i just don't see a picture disc happening i just uh, it, uh picture discs can often just be lazy um have you ever gotten a picture disc and it's just exactly the the jacket art oh again? absolutely they're they're garbage i hate them <laughs> I, that's uh i i think the only acceptable ones are the the zeotropes that actually spin around and create the animation oh sure that's cool like uh, that's like that that makes you go okay okay i get it <laughs> yeah yeah uh it, it it's yeah you just like i i'm sorry i just got distracted with all of like my rage towards picture discs and glow in the dark vinyl and <laughs> and like i absolutely now hear me out a glow in the dark picture disc <laughs> oh my god rage rage <laughs> all right eric well um, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to me about um, Sly Vinyl and your your passion and uh, the vision of what you have for the record label. And as I said, I'm very excited about um, what you're releasing, and um, you know, I think folks need to stay tuned. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything you need to mention before we sign off? Uh, I would just say that if you're at all interested in any of what we we spoke about, come check us out. Uh, we're Sly Vinyl on Instagram, slyvinyl.com. Uh, we, like I said, we will be putting out releases monthly going forward. Uh, next week uh, is when I actually get my next record in hand. We, we are a label that doesn't do pre-orders unless the, unless an artist specifically requests it. But for the most part, when we drop a release, it's, it's shipping immediately. We have it on hand. There's no six month turnaround time. It, Thank you. 
it is ready to go. So once a month, we're, we're, we're going to be dropping some new, new stuff and we're excited to show it. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Eric. Until next time, this is Eric. Thank you.